0: Ready to have some fun today? You already had fun. Feel good, man. That's incredible about all those teenagers. That's that's good, isn't it, man? Nicole and I used to have such a blast, but uh, I was always so uncomfortable. Like at times at youth camp, I, or even at our house. One time we had eighty kids over for a bonfire, and. Um, it got rained out it, got, it was mud everywhere So we had to cancel the bonfire So we had like 80 kids in our house And I just remember This was like the tail end of our youth ministry Nicole and I's personal Like being the youth pastors And I'm sure James and Destiny and Brianna Remember this night It was crazy There was mud through the house It was like just chaos, right? I remember slipping into my bedroom Shutting the door for like five minute in increments Like You know, just like decompressing for a moment Because that's crazy But love it I love the youth Um, I'll I'll say this, Nicole and I did not ever uh, start a youth group or, or we launched a youth group here at Upper Room several years ago. We didn't do that in the realm of thinking that was a stepping stone ministry to become the senior pastors. First off, the youth deserve more than that. It's not a junior version of Holy Spirit. It's not a junior ministry till you graduate to a real ministry. Like that was our heart. We loved it. And we had no plans to ever do anything different in ministry. And uh, when my mom died, things changed The Lord called me to be the senior pastor um, But that, the youth are worth that And I can't wait Next week we're kicking off just a little mini-series And I'm um, going to implement some testimonies Over the next few weeks And next week we're launching that By hearing the youth's testimony So, um, so anyways I shouldn't have said that out loud Now they're going to be afraid to come next week We'll see like half of them here next week because I'll have to get them from the church and share briefly like what happened, but it's like down the lines real quick guys, like one sentence, but anyway, we're going to hear next week about what happened to what we just prayed into, so that's really exciting. All right, get your Bibles out or your app and honestly just hover on uh, 1st, or I'm sorry, 2nd Corinthians 11 and 12. We're going to be in those two chapters today, uh, but we're going to make a couple declarations and say a prayer and then get straight into this thing. So... 2 Corinthians 11, chapters 11 and 12. We're going to read two full chapters. Everybody say yes! All right, we're going to have fun, and uh, you're going to see me reenact a really fun story today. Um, you should say, I'm excited. You should be excited. Hey, two events. I know they talked about Church on the lawn August 15th. I want to just describe what that event is. That is an evangelism outreach Also a family cookout. So bring people. We are going to share the literal gospel message and invite people to the eternal gift of salvation. So Corey's going to launch that at the end. And anybody who's the neighbors that come in and different people or people you invite, your family, this is a great time to invite them. It's like a one-hour service. It's fun. We blast the city with worship music. We pray for people. And then we offer the eternal gift of heaven, of Jesus of eternal life, of abundant life here on earth. So please bring them. Here's some bonuses. We got two food trucks lined up that are free, all right? Now there's some bad things that happened with COVID. There's some good things. One of the good things last year, we're like, instead of a carry-in, let's do a food truck. So we got this cool barbecue food truck and we didn't charge anybody for it. The church just pays for it. But there was an incredible long line and it took like more than 20 minutes for some of you to get your good barbecue. So we're like, let's also do a taco truck. So, we got barbecue coming back with some gluten-free and different options, and we also got tacos coming. So, two food trucks, Kona Ice. I'm telling you, this is the one to invite people to, all right? And this is ultimately the opportunity. We started this when we launched two services. We're like, we want unity in the body. We want there still to be one church here. And uh, so, we did church on the lawn and uh, just had a big cookout and family picnic, and kids will have jumpies, Oh, we have foosball, a foosball jumpy coming Where I think we all get to get in there and play foosball with each other In this giant field thing of like an inflatable thing it's going to be fun So lots of stuff Okay, everybody say, today is going to be a good day Today is going to be be transformational Today Today I'm going to leave better better than I came in Today is amazing Let's do it. Let's jump in here straight away. Lord, we just thank you for um, just today. We thank you for what you've already done in this place. We thank you for captivating our hearts in worship. Lord, we adore you. You are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our first fruits. We bless you, Jesus. Let our week, let our lifestyle be adoration to you. Let our, our, just let us turn our hearts to you daily, Jesus, not just on Sunday. We love you, Thank you. And we just pray that today's word, Lord, that you use me as a vessel. Speak through me, Lord, and let our hearts hear what you have from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Let's go on a journey. All right, the journey is going to kind of start like, man, life's really good, okay? We're going to get there. Life's good, and then we're going to all repent at the end. Does that sound like a good journey to do today? Let's we'll see if we can make this connection, okay? Life being good and repentance, which uh, don't I, I speak on repentance. I'm not afraid to speak on sin. Uh, not my favorite subject. I love speaking on the Father's heart, his love, his goodness. I love preaching the kingdom. King, Jesus spoke the kingdom more than anything. Uh, but there's times that we just need to go for it and, and just be really vulnerable and real. So 2 Corinthians, is it cool if we read two full chapters? Is it okay if we read like three pages of scripture today? All right. Let's go, and then I'm going to share a fun story. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Sometimes that's how I feel when I'm up here. Like, Paul's writing this letter to the church of Corinth, and, like, sometimes I feel like that. I hope today you'll put up with some of my foolishness. It says, please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ, but I fear that someone... Somehow, your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone else tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. So Paul's confronting Corinth. He's on his way there. He's getting ready to make his third visit here, and he's confronting the church of Corinth. It's kind of like the the First Corinthians, the first letter. Um, it, it, it fell short on on some hearts. Okay, so he's writing a second letter, making another trip, and it says, "But I don't." Don't consider myself in fear in any way. So, so there's this battle going on, and there's this influence in culture, right? There's these false prophets, these false teachers, these false apostles, and there's been a lot of gossip. There's been a lot of speculation that Paul was taking advantage of them, and Paul was taking from them, and these people are literally trying to sow discord and seeds of doubt into this church and into the people of that time. Does that sound a little familiar today of culture? What culture might be trying to do in our world today? So here's Paul confronting some of that, and he's getting pretty bold here, and I appreciate it. I'm seeing some faces here that's just amazing, and I see new little babies. Maria's here, Brittany's here with two little ones. Man, welcome to Upper Room for your very, very, very first time, little babies. All right, here we go. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed, that's in quotes. There's been an accusation that Paul is taking advantage of them or robbing them or taking money. And it says, "I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. And when I was with you, you didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you, and I never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you? No. God knows that I do. So, so let me just tell you this story. So Paul's concern he, you can tell he's concerned here. Who are you listening to? What are you believing? What, what are you standing up for, right? We're kind of getting into this. I have a, a short story before I get into a really funny one later. I asked the girls if I could tell this story. They said, yes, but not by name. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to not use their names, all right? So we have our daughter comes in our house a couple, a week or two ago, and uh, she says... You know, I don't know what to say here. So-and-so just forced me to get the volleyball from under the car. Now, now let me paint the picture here. We're two minutes away from leaving to go take them to a sporting practice, all right? I'm ready. It's an evening. Practice is at like 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. I'm like, oh, really? We got to go out that late? Because now that I'm 40, 8 p.m. is really late. Like, especially when we wake up around 5, 5.30 in the morning, it's like, okay, really? We were in bed last night one night at 8.15 p.m. We're looking at the, the daylight out our window. We're like, this is what our life has become. <laughs> With four little ones, you're just, like, waiting to get to that point of your day. Like, ah, <sighs> right? So anyway, it, we're pushing, like, five to two to five minutes before we need to leave. And, and the one daughter comes in covered in mud. We're supposed to be leaving. She's the one that has practice. We're supposed to be going. And she's like, so-and-so made me crawl under the car and get the volleyball. And I was like, forced you? What did she do? Did she hit you? Did she get physically violent? No. Well, how did she force you? When I think force you, did did she hold a knife to you? Now I'm being like this (laughs) condescending dad, right? Like, did she hold a knife? When you say force, you know, so I call in the other daughter. Daughter, come here. Did you force so-and-so to crawl under the car and get the volleyball? no I just told her she needed to do it why couldn't you do it who hit the volleyball and we're processing this well I hit the volleyball then why'd you make her why'd you tell her to get it why didn't you get it you make a mess you clean it up right so we're teaching these things so so anyway then we excuse the one daughter who forced the other daughter to crawl under the car am I doing a good job disguising names okay whoo it's kind of hard I know, I know When I get permission to tell a story about them I've got to get this thing right So then the one daughter leaves And then here's my moment Daughter How are you going to succumb? How are you going to resist the peer pressure And the pressure of the fear of man Of sex, of approval, of drugs, of alcohol If you can't resist somebody telling you to get under the car and get a volleyball and it became this time of like, who are you listening to? Who are you here to please? Here, who are you really tuned into? And it became this moment, she's like, like how'd that just get to that? I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted you to just get upset with me because I'm muddy and that sister was mean to me. Like, and then it turns into, well, how are you going to resist sex, drugs, and violence? I think that's kind of where Paul's going here. Like, who are you listening to? What's what's going on here? Like, I've come to you. I've preached the good news of Jesus. I've given my life for you for this. And you're going to listen to all those others outside in the world and not those who have sacrificed everything for you? Let's, Let's read on here. Verse 16. Again, I say don't think that I'm a fool to talk this But even if you do Do listen to me as you would as a foolish person And he goes into this thing about being foolish And he's still going to brag and do these things Let's skip down to verse 21 And I'll pick up here But whatever they dare to boast about I'm talking like a fool again I dare to boast about it too Are they Hebrews? So am I Are they Israelites? So am I Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman But I have served him far more. It says, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Now, before I go into this next part, I'd love to share a story. Is that okay? A couple weeks ago, we're in bed. It was one of those nights where I got in bed. I'm like, and this was maybe more like roughly 9.30 at night. And then all of a sudden you hear, beep. It's like, was that just a smoke alarm? (sighs) Beep. <sighs> and then we're going i'm going through the house trying to find this smoke alarm i'm like is it this one like trying to figure out when to what batteries to change right i get back in bed now i i get up early i i work full-time at a fire department i like to exercise before i go i have a routine all right and that routine starts around 5 30 so we're pushing 10 10 30 now I go back to bed it's like dad mommy mommy mom okay nicole goes they're calling for mom i'm not gonna go cold's gonna go it's like when they were crying go feed the baby <laughs> so then all of I heard all I hear is Aaron you might want to come in here I'm like oh did we have puke like what's going on right now did something break what, what are we doing now it's about 11 11 30 now I just fallen asleep all right now 5 5 30 comes early all of a sudden I get to the room and whew, a bat's flying around I'm not going to be ashamed. Here's what I sound like. Ah! Okay. I really did. I don't mind snakes. I don't mind big animals. I hunt bears. I go in the woods in the dark and hunt bears. Like, but bats, there's something about bats. All right? and we've been dealing with bats in our home for about three years. Okay. We've built bat boxes. We've tried to exclude them. You're not allowed to kill them. right? So we've been dealing with this for a long time. So at any rate, it's circling. And then all of a sudden, it flies out. I slam the door. I was like, all right, we got this. I've been here before, we've, we've taken care of bats. So we close off the section of the house we're in, I sneak downstairs, I get my long pants, I get my shoes on, I get a hoodie and I tie it, I get my headlamp on, I'm ready with my broom, okay? I'm ready for this bat, I'm not joking. All true, we've got pictures to prove it. I search, I can't find the bat, I search harder. I remove every curtain, blind, I'm taking pictures off the wall, like, kind of like this, and then, like, it's not there. I search for two hours. I ask Nicole, hey, could you come help me? I can't find it, okay? After two hours, we give up, we're going to go back to bed, of course, you're not going to sleep peacefully, now at 1.30 in the morning, with knowing there's a bat somewhere in our house, right? So I, I lay down, Nicole goes to sleep, everybody's sleeping with their lights on now, all the kids, Nicole, okay? So get down. And uh, I I try to close my eyes. I'm not going to be able to sleep. So now I crawl around the house. I'm like, well, I do know if they can't find somewhere high, they will drop. They'll get tired and crawl under something. I literally, for the next half hour, crawl around the house and remove everything from every bed, under every couch, everything you could imagine. I'm looking for this pesky little brown bat, okay? Can't find it go to bed skip the workout the next morning make it to work kind of like this and then for the next week and a half we don't really sleep in peace because we know it's somewhere but we're like maybe it got out you're convincing yourself maybe it got out right so then I start thinking man we have been dealing with bats we had a colony of over 200 bats in our house that we did not know about three years ago and we have been dealing with ever since and I'm like man my life is bad this is terrible. We can't sleep in peace. They get caught in the walls. We hear them through most nights. You know, you know the, it's the most awful sound you could ever imagine with bats. We have tried to seal every part of the exterior house. Let me just tell you how crafty they are after they've made our place home for 52 years, okay? 55 years. They climb into the gutters. We've sealed everything else off. They climb into the gutters, and then they crawl up behind the drip edge and make their entry still into my attic. They're good, Okay? So, that's the story, and I'm thinking, man, I've got it bad. And I start reading my Bible this week, and I remember at times I would complain about life. And I remember one time being on the phone with Dave Hetland, and he's like, hey, Aaron, and I was just whining. And I, he's like, just, just read 2 Corinthians 11.25. I'm like, okay. And I get off the phone, and I was like, oh, that's why. Let's get there. When you think your life's bad, and that bats are going to just drive you batty, we read this. And let's, so let's re- read on. Verse 24. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes... Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Now I realize my issue with one little brown bat isn't that bad. Can I get an amen? And the things that we think are bad, well, that person said that to me at work. Or I got excluded from the invite to the blank. Okay, it's like, yep, I was beaten. And just so you know, the maximum penalty to be whipped was 40. So they would do 39 just not to face the maximum penalty. Stoning, when he says I've been stoned, that was actually supposed to be to death. These are the things that Paul faced, and and Jesus faced even greater things going to the cross to be crucified for you and I. And we start to whine a little bit because we miss a night's sleep because of that. That was me. Maybe you have a different story, or this, or it's a financial thing, or, or an offense, or whatever it might be. But then we're looking at Paul here, who did all of this for the church. All of this for the kingdom. All of this for God. Because then he says this. Then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of the churches. Now, think of that life. I don't think many of us in here can measure up to even a portion of what Paul just listed he had endured for the ministry, right? But then he says, besides all of that, he's equating all of that to now the burden of the church. His, his heart, his concern, his longing for a healthy church is equal to all of the, the crap that he endured, right? Let's read on. Verse 29, Who is weak without my feeling of weakness? Who has led astray and do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how, I, how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. How many now might think, "Yeah, my life's not as bad as I thought." Anybody in here? Can I finish the story about the bat? It's been two weeks. Last night, we come home. The girls are all in the one girls' room. I'm across the hall. All of our lights are on. It's about 10 p.m. I'm in the bathroom getting ready for bed. I'm only in my unmentionables. I am shirtless. I am pantless. I am shoeless. I am hoodie. Hoodless. All of a sudden, I look out. There's the bat flying back and forth in the hallway. Bat! Ah! All of a sudden, it flies in my five-by-five bathroom with me alone. I slam the door. I'm there, like this. I'm clapping, thinking the sound might make it cling to a wall. No, it just keeps dipping and tapping my head. I'm like, dear God, get me out of hell right now! I'm down. Suddenly, goes to the shelf. I'm like, yes! Slam the door, get out of there! I go get my attire on that I had set aside next to my bed for the last two weeks. I fully guard up, all right? My broom's right there next to my bed. My flashlight's there. My firefighter glove is there. I am ready. Yeah, oh yeah, sweatpants, sweatshirt. I'm so hot. Our upstairs gets so hot in the summer. I'm sweating. I open the door. I don't see the bat. I shut the door. The girls are all in the room with the door shut. Again, sealing everything off. I get a chair, there's the bat. I grab the bat with my hand. I go outside and I effectively, appropriately release the bat, okay? And I come upstairs. They're cheering, the bat is gone, the bat is gone. Justice, the bat is gone. We're cheering. Evelyn wanted to see the bat before I take it out. And it's you're doing that? And Nicole's like, no, she has to see the bat. I was like, I don't want the bat to get me she has to see the bat before you go outside because she needs to know it's gone and out of the house so she can sleep in peace okay this message might be way longer than i thought it was going to be initially so i come in and they're like they then reenact what happened i would love the opportunity to reenact their approach to this bat situation dad do you want to know what we did when we you yelled bat yes i do So then Evelyn goes, here's what I was doing. And she's on her top bunk. And she's waving a pillow. That's what she was doing while I was gone, all right? (laughs) Chloe's like, here's what I did. She leaped into Hadassah's bed, covered Hadassah, and like this. (laughs) Olivia had no idea what was going on. She's in the other room, but she can see into this room. They have like an adjoining room. She's like, Dad, I had no idea what was going on. I just heard yelling. So I did this, ah! She's yelling because they're yelling and has no idea. And then Nicole, sweet Nicole, in her nightgown, she's like, do you want to know what I did? She said, I jumped in the middle of the floor. (laughs) Ah! Fetal position while dad is getting tapped in the head by a bat in a five by five bathroom and no one was coming to help. Life was victorious last night. We slept in peace. Okay. We went camping this weekend. I cannot get away from things. Raccoons have terrorized me for the last three years. I got sprayed by a skunk last week, trapping a skunk. We go camping. I wake up in the middle of the night to all this noise. I had secured everything. There's a raccoon trying to get in our bins for our food. Cannot shake this. But life is good. I've not been shipwrecked. I've not been beaten thirty nine whipped thirty nine times. I've not been stoned. Let me read on. Twelve. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about the visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in the body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. How many want that experience with the Lord? that you don't even know if it's real, if it's a vision, if it's a dream, that it's so real, you don't even know the difference and that you can't even explain it with words and humans aren't even ready to hear it yet. That's the God I know. That's the life I want. That's the that's the adventure I want with the Lord. And he goes on to say, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. We're going to talk in a minute here about being set apart. I want people, I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, you can get your goosebumps. You can lay, raise your hands on Sunday. You can do all of these things, but if you're not living a life that is, that is different than the people around you in the world, then something's wrong. Paul's saying, Paul's saying like, like, listen, I'm not gonna boast about that because I'm weak without him. All these other leaders that he's literally confronting the church about, they're boasting about their accolades. They're boasting about their accomplishments. He's like, I'm not going to boast on that. I'm actually going to boast on my weaknesses because I'm weak and he's strong in me. We get here in a second. He says, but man, I want them to see the Jesus that's in me. I want them to see something different. Listen, I, I, for many years, for a couple years, especially just prior to me getting saved and really getting real with God at least, I was, I was riding this fence, and part of me still wanted to, like, hang out with my buddies at the bars and the strip clubs on the weekend, but then the other part was being pulled into the church, and eventually it came to this thing where I can't serve two masters, and the Bible says, I'd rather you be cold or hot rather than lukewarm, so I had a choice. Lose all of my friends, lose people that, that I thought cared about me, Right? To serve this one God that had these amazing plans to be caught up in heavens, to live a message, to live out a lifestyle that's notable to the men and women around me. I made a good choice. Let me continue on here. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from being proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away each time he said my grace is all you need my power works best in weakness so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can come work through me that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults the hardships the persecutions the troubles that I suffer for Christ when I'm weak then I am strong Now, now listen, I'm not saying we have to go through this stuff in order to get closer to God. We have to endure hardship in order to to have accomplishments in in the kingdom. That's not what I'm saying. But when hardships come, His grace is sufficient. When financial things come, His grace is sufficient. When, When oppression or when different things come, or attacks or forms of persecution to us come, then guess what? His grace, His power, He is sufficient. He alone is sufficient for all of our needs. Let let me move on here. This is the last section, verses 11. You have made me act like a fool, boasting like this. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not all the inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I failed to do, this is, this is kind of funny, actually. The only thing I failed to do <laughs> was what I did in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry I didn't take your money. <laughs> they may have valued him more if he did. Sometimes, I, Nicole and I were discussing, if we want to know where somebody's heart is, you look, used to say you look at two things, their money, where it's going, their checkbook, and their time. Where those two things are going I'd add a third thing now Social media Where's your social media? That's where your heart is That's where your affection is Those three things He's saying man maybe So if we sow into things A lot of times Those are things we value Maybe Paul should have Maybe that's why he's apologizing Just a thought Now I'm coming to you For the third time And I will not be a burden to you I don't want you to have I don't want what you have I want you Doesn't that sound like the Lord? Paul at one time says, follow me as I follow Christ. This is a word from the Lord. I don't want what you have. I don't want your possessions. I don't, I don't want your stuff. I don't want your money. I don't, I don't want any of that. I just want you. I want your heart. That's what the Lord's saying today. I don't, I don't care about anything else but you. Let me, let me finish this. After all, the children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? Now these are people they, they high regard, that they, that they really honor. So he mentions them. When I urged Titus to visit you and send our brother with, you, with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No. For we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing these things the same way. Perhaps you think... We're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants and with God as our witness. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. Now here's the part that leads to repentance. For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Now, if Paul's confronting those things that he might be afraid to find, do you think those are okay in the church? Yeah, negative. Yeah, don't be talking about people. It's amazing how contagious that is, though. Sometimes we think it's fun. Sometimes we think it's funny. Like, oh, that person doing this during worship or that. Yeah, you're actually gossiping, and you're partnering with the enemy in this. We need to be lifting and edifying one another and encouraging one another, being each other's biggest fans. And when somebody's falling, we're lifting them up. Let me move on. Yes, I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence. And then it says this, and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented for your impurities, sexual immorality, or eagerness to fo- for lustful pleasure. Man, this is hardcore. I love Paul's vulnerability here. I love Paul's... Um, Transparency. I love how he's being real. Like, I'm weak. I'm going through this. But I'm afraid of this. But he's saying, listen, I've done all this. Besides all of this, I wear the, bur- I wear the burden of the churches. And, and many times he's mentioning, but I love you. And I love you so much, but I'm concerned you don't love me the same. I value you, but I'm concerned you don't value me the same. So we're getting into this thing that where Paul's biggest concern is, is of their lifestyle. His biggest concern is the culture of the church, of what they've become and who they are. His biggest concern is that they haven't turned from their sins and that they haven't repented for the things that they're doing. I, I love the love of God. I love the cross. I love Jesus. And I believe this. There's some things in sin and there's some things in righteousness and holiness that we have to pursue as a lifestyle, not just a one and done thing. God never stops loving us. He'll never leave us, forsake us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No depth, height, principalities, dark, right? Nothing. Nothing can separate us from his love. But in this continual lifestyle, it's this continual lifestyle of repentance, of being like, Paul, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because when I'm weak, he's strong. It's this, it's this thing. Let me get into just a few things here. I want to define holiness and sin there's a little bit of a different thing there. And holiness, the synonym is righteousness or righteous. It's right standing with God. True holiness is a life pleasing to God. It's sacred. It's purified. It's consecrated. It's set apart. It's, it's, it literally means to belong to God. To live in holiness is to belong to God. Sin yet is missing the mark. It's the compass is just a little off course. Sin is doing anything or not doing something that displeases God. Okay, so it's not just about what we do It's also what we don't do if we're convicted to do it, right? So for instance, if we don't tithe, that's a sin And not tithing is a sin It's not doing something that pleases God Versus sinning, if I, if I go cheat on Nicole, that's sinning It's something I'm doing that displeases the Lord That's sin The difference between sin and holiness is It's a continual lifestyle to live in Him, from Him, and through Him in righteousness It's right standing God Listen, sin, God forgives sin absolutely forgive sin every single time without fail without even question right so my heart then isn't a condition of not trying to fail or mess up or this cyclical thing of oh man i'm gonna do it again no, holiness is this draw, this, this, this being compelled to want to please the Father and live in right standing with Him and please the Father and maybe not do those things that my friends are doing on the weekend or, or maybe join this instead of that. or like, It's these things of the yeses and nos. It's not giving up something. It's gaining a whole lot more. It's this mindset. So let me go into just a few things with mindset. Being set apart. Time out. Leviticus says this. Is it, is it cool if I just have a little more time? Awesome. Leviticus 20, 26. I know that bat story bought me at least 20 more minutes. I know that. You'll remember that. You won't remember anything else, but you'll remember that. Leviticus 20, 26 says, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. Let, let me just say this. We're not to be so, um, let, let me see here. We're to be set apart, not withdrawn. We're supposed to be in the world, influencing the world, being a light in that darkness, not afraid of the darkness. But we're supposed to look different in the process. We're supposed to be different in the process. We're supposed to sound different. We sometimes get confused as in this sonship message and in this this father's heart message that we can freely do whatever we want and God's always gonna forgive us. Yes, absolutely, that is absolute definite truth. But I want a heart that longs for the father in such a way that I don't want to do any of that crap, that I don't wanna live a lifestyle that doesn't please him, that I wanna look different than the people maybe around me or the people I used to hang out with or the people that are doing this on the weekend. I want to be so, so in love with Jesus and understand how much he's in love with me. It compels me to be different. First Peter 1, 15 and 16 and then in 2, 9 says it like this. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. It goes on to say this, but you are chosen race. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I want to be a royal priesthood chosen for God's pleasures, chosen for his possession. I want to be God-possessed, not demon-possessed or sin-possessed. I want to be Jesus-possessed. I want to be love-possessed for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who have called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are called out of that darkness to be light now into that darkness. Oh Let me just say, some of us aren't ready for that. Some of us can't dabble in, in that, both sides of that fence. I couldn't do it for many years. Now I can go to those places. I'm not gonna go to some of those places, but I can be around some of those people and I'm the light, I'm the hope, I'm the joy, I'm the peace around them, I'm the love of Jesus, I'm, I'm the one praying for them, I'm the one interceding for them. It's not in a judgmental way. It's man, I love you. I used to be there and I love you. I, w- I want to just talk about compromise just a little bit and then we'll, we'll finish up here. Compromise, it's it's funny how like nothing starts in the full big thing. Can I just be real for a second? It doesn't start straight up to adultery, cheating on your spouse. It's usually a little message on Facebook or this this little thing or or somebody who complimented you or this this maybe person at work noticed something and, oh, that felt good. It's always a compromise. It's never to the full thing. Man, I'm just not going to go out and just like, oh, boy, that person's attractive. I'm just going to go sleep with them. It doesn't start there. It's always a compromise. And in our walk with the Lord, there's this level of conviction that's different, a bit different for each of us. But then there are some that are just like no-go zones, so, so the, here's this thing of like Samson. We, we, it wasn't, Delilah wasn't the major issue. It didn't just like, oh, he's lost his strength. He let Delilah cut his hair. No, it wasn't that. It was when he slayed a lion and then he dug honey out of a dead carcass when he had taken the Nazarite vow to never touch a dead animal or used the jawbone of a donkey to slaughter thousands. It was when he celebrated his wedding and he drank some alcohol. His demise wasn't Delilah. It was the compromises that led up to that lifestyle that led to his fail and his fall. David, his fall wasn't to Bathsheba. It was when kings were supposed to be off at war, and he was preoccupied on a rooftop gazing instead of off to war like a king should have been. It's not doing what he was supposed to be doing. Many of us, when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you get bored. You look elsewhere. If you're not getting the needs met, like... Man, the biggest key to marriages and healthy marriages is communication, explore, explaining your needs, being open and vulnerable. Let me, let me move on here, but Paul's concern was who are you listening to? The church. He's confronting these things because they've allowed these seeds to grow and even accusations against him. We allow these seeds. And first it's that little chuckle about that person and what they did in worship. Then all of a sudden, well, can you believe this about her? Can you believe, did you hear this? Man, did you know they're in this? Did you know they're going to counseling? Well, good, they're pursuing health. It's amazing. Good for them. How can I pray for them? Man, maybe we should have them over for dinner and bless them and, and be people of light in their life. Matthew six thirty three has been a life verse of Nicole and I's for many, since, since really I got saved. I've been bivocational and and heavy ministry for the last 14 to 15 years. Been working full-time, literally ministry full-time for around that time. And I just remember early on, I called Pastor Nathan from Bethel, Marion, where they're going to youth camp this week. And I said, man, how do you—he worked full-time, did full-time youth pastoring. It's like, how do you do it? He's like, Aaron, man, I just—I live off of this verse, Matthew 6.33— Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's like, man, he's like, it's not about the quantity of time you have with your family, it's the quality of time, and that you're actually present when you're there. And he started giving me all these tips. It's when you're there, you're present. When you're at church, you're present. When you're with your family, you're present. When you're on a date with your wife, you're present. You're not dipping in and living two different lives. Like, you're, you're there in that moment. And, and Matthew six thirty one through 34 says, This is, don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Worrying about physical, tangible things dominate the thoughts of believers. And it says this, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. reminds me of Paul's promise that his grace is sufficient for all of our needs, right? Then it goes on, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring around its own worries. Today's trouble is enough in a day. See, seeking God and righteousness is connected to not worrying, When I seek God and His righteousness, it says all these things are added to me. You ever wondered what that really means? Like when God gives you an open-ended thing, an offer of what all these things added unto you, what are these things added unto you? All things. Yeah, that's amazing, I'll take that. You fill in the blanks. You fill in what the all things are, what those things added unto you are. Maybe it's like joy unspeakable, right? Maybe it's like Solomon when he asked for wisdom. It's all of these things, right? So, it's amazing. But, but here's the thing. I, I love what Wendy Backlund says. She says, worrying is planning a future without God. Worrying is planning a future without God, because where God is, there's no worry. Where his kingdom is, where his presence is, when he's full in me, like, I'm not worrying about anything, When I'm filled up with Jesus, there is no worries. He's going to take care of it. It may not be when or how I want, but he'll do it again. Matthew 6 is really a single-hearted devotion. And blessing is always connected to the heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are added unto you. It reminds me of the verse in Psalms where it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll honor the desires of your heart. I want to read one more verse, and then we're going to close. Matthew 3, 2. We're going, to, we're going to just finish there. The kingdom of God, the kingdom, these things added unto us, starts at repentance. That's Paul's concern, this, this thing of repentance. Paul's concern is this thing and this quarreling and this, these issues within the culture of the body and also these individual issues of impurity without repentance and not turning away from sin, right? So there's these things. So it starts with repentance. Matthew 3, 2 says this repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent all of this is within reach of you repent and all these things will be added unto you repent and the kingdom of heaven is your plan is your lifestyle is your opportunity and offer that that's where it starts see jesus already paid the price He's already given it all. He already died on the cross. He already took a pittance for you and I's impurities and sins and mistakes and all this stuff. All we do is have to repent and then accept that free gift. All things added unto us. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things added unto us. We get mixed up. We're like, well, I want to, I want to keep my favor with that people. I want to, I want to really just be a friend to them. I want to, yeah. But are you seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in that? Are you set apart? Or is this a compromise? If you're with those people, are you doing what they're doing or are you set apart with what they're doing and not doing that? Does your language sound different? Does your action look different? Like Paul was saying, my message in my life, be the example. I don't need to brag about it. I want my life to be a billboard about Jesus. Let, let, me, let me finish this thought. So literally, Repent is to think different and to turn away from wicked ways. Repentance means to turn away and think different. Okay, so it says, repent, think different, and the kingdom was within reach. Repent, think different, come up to the penthouse of thinking. Come up here, I'll show you great and mighty things, right? These are promises of the Lord. So repentance isn't over until we have a glistening hope of the area that we're repenting over true repentance is having a hope of the area we're repenting over to where when I truly repent and I give my heart and I know who God is I don't even have to concern myself with that temptation now I may not want to go there I may need some boundaries and some some safe things set up I I dealt with pornography early in our marriage and struggled with that we built a house it was an office with no walls Nicole, she, she helps me with my phone and, and, and certain things that are blocked. They're, I'm not free of temptation and I certainly don't want to even veer into an area of getting there. Billy Graham, when he would go and travel and do these big crusades, he would rent an entire floor of a hotel out because he didn't even want an accusation to come or temptation. They'd remove all the TVs from there. All of these things, the, the pure life that Billy Graham would leave, live so that there wasn't even, I want my life and my message to portray only Jesus. And repentance means I think different. I don't even want to go there. I have to remind that old man he's dead every once in a while, but I get to live and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and live an abundant life. Let me, let me finish here. The band can come. There is this verse that is just like, it's the summary of really life in Jesus. In order there to be life, something has to die, though. In order there to even be revival, something had to be dead. And to revive something, something has to die. I believe, like, revival is launched and kicked off, and even a lot of times the kingdom lifestyle is in this lifestyle of repentance. Every day, man, I just, I, I have this conversation with the Lord. There's certain things that come to mind, there's some that don't. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for what I've done wrong or not done today that's pleased you. Things I know and things I didn't know. Lord, let my life, let my integrity speak for you. If anybody's ever telling you something, like, hey, I'm gonna tell you this, but you can't tell anybody. Yeah, that's gossip, that's discord, that's slander. You probably shouldn't say it. I'm gonna tell you something, but don't, don't, no. Come on, if you weren't supposed to tell anybody, where's the confidence? Like, these are the things, trust me, we've been talking to our girls about this. Just know, when somebody's talking bad about somebody else to you, they're talking bad about you behind your back. These are little things of lifestyle Christianity, these little things of integrity, these little things. Lord, don't let me worship myself. Let me worship you. Don't let me worship my body. Let me worship you. Don't let me worship food. Let me worship you. Don't let me worship lack of food. Let me worship you. We can go all these extremes of what we do and the pleasures that Paul was talking about, the pleasures of man, the fear of man. The Lord is just calling us to this beautiful lifestyle of repentance and holiness and righteousness to where it's not these things I can't do, it's these things I now get to do. When I said I do to Nicole, it meant I said thousands of I don'ts elsewhere. It meant when it's date night last night, it's I do to the date night and I don't to the invitation my sister sent for a bonfire. That was an I don't. It was a good I don't, but it was an I don't. No, I committed to Nicole. When we say I do to Jesus, it's this beautiful I do that outweighs and outmeasures and outlasts and outlives any I don'ts that I ever get to do. I do get to live for Christ. I don't go to strip clubs anymore. (laughs) I do get to live for Christ. I don't lust anymore. I do get to live for Christ. I don't hate people anymore. I hated all people. I didn't discriminate, I hated all people. Bats and people, they were like insane for me. (laughs) Jesus captured my heart, I love people, I still hate bats, okay? I do get to love people now, I don't have to approve of their lifestyle sin. I do get to love people now, I don't have to come in agreement with that lie. I do love people now, I don't have to do what they're doing. To love them, to be a friend with them, to to, to, to be encouragement to them. You said the I do's and I don't's. So we get in this thing of, well, it's such a boring life and you know, it can't do so much. Man, I will take the I can'ts in Christ more, way more over than the I can's in the world. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I can't do the all things with Christ not strengthening me. Let me finish this up with this verse. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name. Paul's calling this church out in Corinthians 11 and 12 here. He's calling this church out to their true identity. He's calling these members of this church out to their true identity. He's saying, you are God's people. You are set apart. You are to look different. Your life is to be a message for him. You are to pursue righteousness. If my people who are called by my name, we are called by the name of Jesus. We were bought with the price of his blood says humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then then see here that's that's our part We pray, we humble ourselves, we come to him, we seek his face, we pray, we turn from our wicked ways, we repent, right? We seek righteousness. These are the things, these are instructions that the Lord gives us. It's instructions that Paul's giving to the church then as well as still good for today. How many believe that this is the absolute truth and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? The confrontation to the church of Corinth is no different than the need for the confrontation to the church of today. There are people in the church pursuing immorality and sexual stuff and all these, this junk, right? Our culture is, is opposing us just as much now as it was then. This is the absolute truth. It's not relative truth. It's not just for a time or, well, that was good for that. No, it is the absolute truth for today, yesterday and forever. So we get to this thing and then, so, so we do our part, we do this and now I love, um, I did not like computer programming, but it's these if then statements. You type in this, all this language and this programming. It's this long thing to just get my name to spell out. Like, that's ridiculous. That takes way too long. Give me the cliff notes, right? I'm not a computer programmer. But so it's this if. If my people who are called by my name do this, then it says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Man. What does that look like? That that the Lord hears from heaven, hears about our intimate things, our very nature, who we're supposed to be. And he not only heals us, but he heals our land, the things that that we're sowing into, the things that we're walking into, the things we're speaking into. That's healing our land, everybody around us. Oh man, that's amazing, it's amazing. I wanna give you the opportunity today. The journey was, life's good. We're not shipwrecked, we're not stoned, we're not beaten today, life's good. But the Lord is calling us to so much more than just a good, fancy life where we show up to church on Sundays. He says, man, I brought you signs and wonders. I brought you all this stuff. I don't want what you have, I just want you. I believe that's the heart of the Father today. Like, he doesn't just want you on Sunday morning. He wants you Monday before you go to work. He wants you Friday before you go to that party or that thing with the whatever the thing in the thing is, right? Like, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. I'll be honest, what you see up here, what you see in here, it's just a devoted lifestyle that this is the public display of what's happening on the inside. Baptism is a public display of what's happened in a heart. The same thing on Sunday, worship and the band, and what you see here is from what's been cultivated during the week in their hearts for the last year, 10 years, maybe since their journey with Jesus. It's the same thing, like, I'm only preaching what's on my heart and where the Lord's working on me. This is in a targeted message. I have no idea what you guys are into. But God wants more than a Sunday morning. He wants more than a song. He wants more than lifted hands. He wants a devoted, set-apart lifestyle where your business is full of integrity, where your heart's passionately serving Him, where your words are edifying to Him and the others around you and the others not around you. It's a set-apart, a holy priesthood, a holy royal priesthood where we look different, we sound different, we live different. It's not just Sunday mornings. I wanna live a life that where this is a glimpse of what eternity looks like, where I can live in a lifestyle of worship and devotion to Him, where I can live in a lifestyle of righteousness with Him, where I can live in an example, just living with, from, and for Him. Why don't you stand with me? If you want that, I'm gonna invite you to come up front and just give your heart to Jesus and turn from your wicked ways. Pray, seek his face. And I'm telling you what, the dividends are huge. This is a good return on investment. This is a good ROI. This is amazing. This is worth every yes right now. If you want that, if you want just more than a Sunday morning gig, I'm gonna offer the altar to you and let's come and let's pursue holiness and righteousness more more than just something on the surface, more than something that just looks good for the cameras or whatever. I'm talking about a devoted life, a devoted life unto him, every minute, every hour. Not that we don't make mistakes, not that we will be perfect, but man, my heart longs to be with him. David, this one thing I desire, There's one thing, to dwell in his house and to gaze on his beauty. Today, that's what I want. I want to dwell in his house and gaze on his beauty and pursue him. And in that, seek his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Listen, this is a call to repentance. I know it's weird. And it's not weird at all. It might be different today than, than what some weeks are. But here's the deal. I believe the kingdom lifestyle, the kingdom advancement starts with repentance. And in your own way, I just, man, I I just had this vision of the altar being full. And, man, if you want more than a Sunday morning lifestyle, just come. Just come right now in your own way. Just give your heart to Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for devoted, set-apart lives. It may not be the Nazarite vow, Lord, but you're calling us to be set apart. You're calling us to be holy, to live holy, to look holy, to be holy from the inside out, Jesus. Not just a polished cup, not just a polished tomb, Jesus, but literally a set apart life. A lifestyle of repentance, a lifestyle of devotion, a lifestyle of righteousness, Lord, of right living in you, Jesus. Something that comes from the motivation of love. Something that comes from an encounter with you. Something that comes from repentance, not just wanting to make it to heaven. Not just to look good to others. Not just to put on a a show or just a Sunday morning thing, Lord. Let us hunger and thirst after you and your righteousness. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Let us us get back to our first love. Let us do our first works over. If we do our first works over, Lord, maybe we'll experience the first fruits again. We love because you first love us, Lord. Let us love the way you commission us to love Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Your grace, your power is, you is more know. than enough. You are strong in our weakness, God. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Thank you, Jesus. A deep revelation of who you are who you are in our lives jesus let it be more than a song let us know it Lord. let us know you jesus let us know your heart lord but we thank you for your conviction holy spirit we thank you for your conviction our prayer team to come and start just praying for people. If you need prayer, you'll see somebody with a tag on. You can come up for prayer. We're just going to stay here for a little bit. You just can leave at the time you feel you need to leave. Otherwise, we're going to just welcome the Lord just continue to work in this way. We love you. Continue to pray for the youth this week. Bless you guys.